It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Hello and welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, Certified Financial Planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. Find us online by going to livingworth.com. Listen to all past episodes of the show and subscribe there. That's livingworth.com. And we've got a great show for you today, a special guest on the program as well. But before we get to all of that, Brian, hope you're doing well. Great to have you on the program once again. Glad to be here. We're just enjoying fall break with the girls this weekend. Oh, very nice. Any big plans? Well, we took them up to Atlanta. We did a a marathon shopping round and uh, (laughs) they're at home sleeping in right now. So they're they're enjoying a well-deserved break. A marathon shopping round. Isn't that pretty much just every uh, every trip out with the gals? Every father of three girls. That's uh, Might as well get used to it. <laughs> so just a, a, your average weekend then at that uh, at that point. Yeah, so there's, there's no point fighting it at this point. That's right. Very good. We've got a special guest in the studio with us today. And uh, Brian, I'm going to let you do the introductions today. I know that this is someone that you've worked very closely with before. Clients of Living Worth Wealth Advisors probably know the name as well. And it's an important part of the Living Worth Wealth Advisors team. Tell us a little bit about today's special guest. Well, we've got Brett Danko here today. And I have known Brett since 2008. He was my instructor for the Certified Financial Planner program. And actually, while I was at Merrill Lynch, I began taking his courses that he was teaching in Atlanta. Brett's out of, he was at the time out of Pennington, New Jersey, and was coming down to Atlanta to teach to a group of advisors. And I got about halfway through the program and had our second child. And instead of trying to take the rigorous course and exam while having a, a newborn at home, I actually stepped out with the idea of resuming a year later. And it wasn't until 2012, really largely because of the financial crisis and what happened with the restructuring of the financial world, that Brett and I reconnected and actually finished the CFP program in, in 2013. Well, Brett, welcome into the show. Great to have you along with us today uh, down from the uh, the Philadelphia area, right? Yes, yes. Thank you for, for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I've been excited to, uh, you know, do one of these, the podcasts. I know Brian's been doing these and they've been really going well and really sharing information with, with clients and, and prospective clients. And I'm uh, happy to be here. So thank you. Brett's not only a uh, co-host with us today, but he's a fan of the show, right, Brett? Yes, I am. <laughs> and everyone should go subscribe because it's, uh, it's, 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 it's just great information to have out there. And Brian's very upfront and honest about you know, how things work and the way he tries to do things. And I really think he does it in the right way, full of transparency and as a fiduciary. So um, so I'm excited to be here, like I said. Well, on today's show, we want to do just that kind of peel back the layers of living worth, of course, but also the relationship with Main Street and talk a little bit about how you guys got started with one another, what the relationship looks like today, how it differentiates you in the financial advising space. So uh, take us back to the beginning, Brian, and lead us from there. Tell us the story of how you and Brett and these two teams have been involved. Sure. And I'm going to take it all the way back. So in the beginning, uh, early 2000s, I joined you know big bull Wall Street firm. And at that time, I mean, it's hard to imagine that you know, 18, 19, 20 years ago, how much has changed at the time, the true value proposition of a big firm was access to information and access to trading platforms and products. And 
over the past 20 years as the internet has rolled out, all of that has become completely commoditized, culminating just last week with Charles Schwab announcing zero transaction cost and commissions on most stock trades. So the value provided in the form of transaction or information has been completely commoditized. And what we're looking at today is people are looking for understanding, context, how to take all of this power that they now have and turn that and translate that into their financial plan. How do they, how do they make that work for them? In other words, context. They're looking for taking this flood of information and these powerful tools and actually making them work for them. So in uh, 2009, when the financial crisis hit, I used that as an opportunity to leave the captive environment uh, and the big firms and go to an independent registered investment advisor. And that's the key word you'll hear kicked around. And I had made that step in 2009 and was in Atlanta at another registered investment advisory firm. But in 2012, I just said, hey, I, I need to up my credentials. I need to up my knowledge and, and continue to expand the value that I can provide to clients. So I, I picked back up and looked Brett up because I had, had met him in was 2008, like I said. And he was teaching another round of the Certified Financial Planner curriculum in, in Atlanta. And so I, I rejoined there and... Brett, I don't know what your recollection is, but during lunch and, you know, uh, Walter, I've got to bring this back to pizza. There were two great pizza places in Atlanta. That's right. And I would take Brett to the different pizza places in Atlanta in, in between the sessions at lunch. And over pizza, we talked about uh, the potential of me joining Main Street and the firm that Brett had founded. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what was great was, you know, I wanted to talk about the firm and because he, he would start with that. And then all of a sudden, once the pizza came, he'd say, well, you notice the dough here. You notice what they did here. And you notice the ingredients. There's a little oregano in here, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd be like, Brian, are we going to talk about the pizza or are we going to talk about <laughs> the firm? And he would say, Brett, we got to talk about the pizza first. And then we could talk about the future. So anyway, so because uh, the pizza was the present while we were eating it. So yes, it does come down to pizza first. But yeah, we, we spent a lot of time talking about it. And the goal was for Brian to be able to have the freedom to work with clients in the way that um, he saw fit as a fiduciary and the types of investments and the types of communications that he wanted to have with them, making sure that everything was done in a open, like I said, transparent way and really allow him to run his own firm without having to deal with, oh, I'm going to worry about compliance, meaning Somebody else is going to do that. The home office is going to do that. Yes, they're going to make sure that everything is done correctly. But Brian doesn't have to worry about that. He doesn't have to worry about his emails getting stored or forms being sent into uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission. He knows that we're doing all of that. And so one of the things that he just wanted to do was run his own practice. And so we just talked about it and talked about it. And after a few times, he said, well, let's get through this exam and then we'll go ahead and uh, work together. And that's what ended up happening. And I've been really, really happy to be working with him for a long, long time. And, and Walter, let me jump. I guess the way I would potentially explain this, I grew up in southern Minnesota. My grandfather had a farm in, in southwestern Minnesota. And a farmer has a job to do. They've got their farm and equipment to run. But at harvest time, 
there comes a need for a co-op, a grain elevator, a storage, a, a way to get crops to market and allow them to not have to invest the capital, invest the time into building all these multiple facilities. There is a place for collaboration in the in the farming world, and it was the, the grain co-ops. Well, that parallels what I see happening in the financial services industry for independence. There are certain things that we want to collaborate on. There are certain things that we need support and help with, and whether it's running payroll, getting access to institutional platforms. As a group, as a collective, we can actually bring more power to the negotiations of of getting access to uh, unique products, solutions, reporting software, and that is greatly improved as a group compared to being a true solo practitioner. And at the end of the day, you don't want your financial advisor having to balance their time between paying attention to your situation and solving your problems. And then, oh, now I have to put on my manager hat, my payroll hat, my, I got to talk to the 401k provider. We got to renegotiate insurance benefits. All of that gets handled by Main Street. And I have the good fortune of being able to to jump on and, and have their platform and be a member of a group of other like-minded certified financial planners who are collaborating, not competing. Brian is an incredibly talented and knowledgeable certified financial planner. He doesn't really, you could argue, he doesn't really need me in terms of helping with different planning situations, etc. However, the collaborative process with not only myself, but also the other advisors, when he does have a situation that he's saying, well, here's what I'm coming up with, which usually is the right instinct, etc. It is helpful to have somebody that you can throw ideas off, that you can throw an idea off of me. And I may even say, well, one of our other advisors had uh, two similar situations. I'm going to put you in touch with them, or you can just reach out to them. And having somebody that you can talk about to say, what are the plus minuses of what I'm thinking, you know, is very helpful in that that person may never even met the client, or I may not even have met the client, yet we're helping to create the right type of solution for them so that they can attain their short, mid, or long-term goals. Well, it's good to get the kind of the genesis of how you guys got together, how you met one another, how the relationship has grown from there. But I'd love to learn a little bit more of the history of Main Street Financial Solutions and your genesis, your starting story, how you kind of have developed the philosophies that you have today and how you've built that side of the equation. Yeah, I, uh, I, this really started in the, the late 90s into the early 2000s when one of the things I realized was that, you know, Wall Street at the time was really, really dealing with people who had a lot of money. And that's changed in the last 20 years. But it mattered, well, do you have money? That was access to information. That was access to talent in terms of uh, uh, being able to speak with somebody who was knowledgeable. And one of the things I realized was, you know what, nobody else is helping sort of the regular person out there. And originally, you know, when I started the firm, it was called Main Street Financial Solutions, which obviously we still have that name, but it was to contrast it to Wall Street because I wanted it to be where people could actually, you know, work with me at the time, but doing financial planning. 
and I didn't manage any assets. I didn't do any insurance, but I would talk to him about those things. But it really came down to planning, and I was charging an hourly fee. As I was continuing to teach to become a certified financial planner in the early 2000s, then I was teaching the curriculum of the certified financial planner. I realized that for me, you know, it would be helpful if I had some other advisors to work with. And during the financial crisis, um, I saw it as an opportunity to work with other like-minded advisors. And that's really where Main Street crossed over from just being me doing hourly financial planning to actually doing full investment management, as well as the financial planning. And we started off small, and our whole goal was is to only work with people who are certified financial planners in terms of our advisors and like-minded certified financial planners. So a lot of folks have come to me over the years saying, hey, could we work together? And after we talk for a while, I say, you know what, I don't think it would be a good fit. So we're not a huge firm and that we don't have thousands of advisors, but I think we have a true talented core of people around the country, in which Brian is one of them, that are really out there doing the right thing for their clients. And it started, like I said, early 2000s, just me doing financial planning for an hourly fee. During the financial crisis, we decided to actually start working with advisors and managing assets. And now we're, uh, I don't know, 40 some people that, that we have at the firm and around the country. And it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience to work with a lot of talented people. It sounds like you're, you're not trying to be all things to all people. Yeah, I think, I think that's really important. And there are situations that will come up and it's important that an advisor, you know, say, look, that's not our, our area of expertise. So, you know, it's important to know what you're comfortable dealing with, what you can really help that client sort out in terms of their issues. But I always uh, find it uh, amusing where you'll have a, a client that'll say, oh, can you just write me a will? you know what you need to put into it. And we'll say, no, no, we can't do that. Or can you just do my taxes? Brian, can you just do my taxes? No, Brian's not going to do your taxes. He's going to talk about various strategies concerning your taxes, but he is not a CPA. But he can talk as a certified financial planner about your investments and how they impact your taxes and various solutions to try and lower your taxes. But he's not going to actually do your taxes. He's not actually going to do your your estate documents, but he will talk about gifting. He will talk about estate planning techniques, but it's knowing how far that you can go in terms of our expertise and then passing it off to someone else who can help them take it across the finish line. It's incredibly exciting. At this point, we have over 20 financial advisors working with us at the firm, and we have assets of, of right around a billion dollars, which from where we started is quite a bit of growth. And again, we're not trying to just add people to add people. They have to be the right fit, and they have to have the right personality for our firm in terms of looking at you know them being a true fiduciary and being a certified financial planner. What are the big differences between Main Street and independence, as opposed to being at a captive firm, Walter, is that often there are corporate initiatives, there are 
commissions, there's bonuses, there's certain expectations that you have to meet in order to qualify for a trip, to qualify for your pay or your bonus. And it really creates a lot of conflicts. And at the end of the day, I, I wanted to be free from as many conflicts as, as possible. And this registered investment advisory platform independent Main Street is privately owned. We're not accountable to shareholders. We're not going to fire ourselves if we don't make a quota. And oh, maybe I should say we do get a a very glamorous trip every year to belt. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Brian, you do. He's going to make fun of this trip, Walter, but that's okay. Go ahead. (laughs) So so we all, all the advisors from Main Street get to get together in Newtown, Pennsylvania, and we all hole up in the conference room at the Courtyard Marriott, and we get to spend two, three days every year with Brett and hearing from all the other advisors about best practices and things like that. So very, very glamorous, very glamorous. In fact, uh, he's fed very well at this this extravaganza that we have. Uh, But yeah, it's important that we bring everyone together. It's one of the highlights of the year for most of our advisors, not because, oh, they're meeting with you, Brett. No, it's because they're actually getting a chance to not only spend time and share ideas with other like-minded people, but then they're pushing themselves and saying, wait a minute. If this person is doing, you know, sort of this thing for in terms of how they're viewing uh, RMDs or how they're viewing annuities or how they're viewing whatever it is out there, investment philosophy, one of the things that's important is that advisor can then say, well, maybe I don't agree with all of that, but I do agree with, you know, 40% of it. So I'm going to take that 40% and I'm going to apply it to my group of clients and help them to achieve their goals. And I think that's really important to have people in a room. And, and you know, we would do it as it's classroom style over, over two days. And then the most enjoyable part, or advisors find that they get the most out of, is actually going, we go back to my house for each night and people just talk. And there's no agenda. There's just a lot of food. And we hang out and it allows people to talk on a personal level. And what's important about that is they get to know each other in a different way, in a less formal setting, and they also can you know, build those friendships. And then throughout the year, they can talk to one another. So we will still do conference calls over the over every quarter. We'll do an investment call where we just talk about general investments and, and different things that are going on. But that one time that they can get together and actually see each other face to face, you know, really has been a, a wonderful thing for our firm as we've grown. So the great thing for me is I wanted to do things a certain way. I wanted to have my own message. I wanted to have my own market. I wanted to have my own brand. And overwhelmingly, especially in the corporate world, the default answer is no. No, you can't do that. You want, you want to come up with your own book. You want to come up with your own course. You want to write a white paper. Categorically, the answer was no. And even as I ventured out into the registered investment advisor world, most people had come from that environment and still still thought very much that way. And over one of our lunches, I told Brett, I said, I want to move out into the woods of central Georgia. I got a lake down there with a bunch of great people around there that I, I think would be a, a perfect place to raise the family and grow my business. And I want to put a pizza oven in my backyard. And Brett said, well, sure, that's fine. Go Go where you want, hire who you want, 
And he even met me in Beltsville, Maryland, and tested out uh, pizza ovens with me. So I said, this has the elements of a right fit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. In fact, he joined Main Street and got a pizza oven at the same time. Brett made all my dreams come true. That's right. There you go. Meant you to go. be. Well, I know that one thing that can be confusing for maybe the average saver or the average investor when they're trying to work with a financial professional for maybe the first time, maybe they've had an advisor in the past and, and they're looking for a new relationship or even just trying to evaluate the current relationship that they have, there's a lot of confusion around just what, what financial advisors call themselves these days. Like that's a broad term. And so then you have insurance agents, broker dealers is another one, certified financial planner, CFP designation. You guys have talked about that already on today's show a little bit. What really is a CFP? Why do you think that's such an important designation and attribute to have as an advisor? And how do they compare versus some of those others? Yes, the CFP designation is the gold standard of our business. And there's many other designations that are out there. And for the most part, education is good. Other designations are are solid. But the CFP, the Certified Financial Planner designation, really is our gold standard. It, it takes the planning process and divides it into six different areas, general planning, insurance, investments, income tax, retirement, and estate. So as I mentioned earlier, we may not be writing out a will for somebody or doing someone's tax returns, but we will be talking to them about how to pass on assets to their family or how to gift assets. We'll be talking to them about you know, various tax legal, very legal tax strategies that they could utilize in terms of their investments, in terms of their income, etc. So Having all of that come together and taking those courses and then taking a very difficult final test to become a certified financial planner. It is an independent organization. It is not tied to any college or school. And so for our industry, I think that's becoming the de facto designation. And you can have people who are not CFPs who are very good at their job. I know that. I've met with some of them. There's some folks that I've been teaching the CFP for almost 20 years, and there's some people who have never been able to get through the exam, and I would trust them with my family's money in a heartbeat. And then there's other people who are certified financial planners that I might not trust with, with my money. However, for the most part, you want to work with an advisor who's forced themselves, who was motivated enough to go through all of the educational classes and then passing a very difficult exam where it's around 55 to 65% pass. It varies uh, every cycle, but 55 to 65% pass and obviously the rest are not successful. So I do think it's really important because they're going to look at things in a way that is comprehensive and holistic and they are required to be fiduciaries. And this is, you know, we call it the F word. And it's not a bad word. It's a good word. It's fiduciary. And as a fiduciary, you have to act in the client's best interests at all times. And I think that's one of the things that the CFP board has made a point of even strengthening those standards even more going into 2020. Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences between a, a broker-dealer and an insurance or product-oriented firm is, at the end of the day, that was the origin of those firms, and that 
is the approach that they're going to take. And so a lot of people will come in who have worked in a more commission-driven environment or or worked with an advisor who was in a more commission-driven environment. And you can really see the impact that that has on the recommendations that they're getting. And it's good to be able to step back and say, oh, I have this complete palette of products and solutions and strategies available to me, but no one is pushing me one direction or the other. I never want a client to feel like the recommendation that I'm giving is something that is pushed or or skewed by the environment that I'm in. So, you know, it, it's really been a great move for me because I've taken a step back and looked back on some situations I've been in the past. Again, while while everything was was very legal and compliant, and you know, always thought I was working in the client's best interest. Oftentimes, there are things that are are skewing your recommendations or your motivations that you may not even be aware of in those types of environments. And so it was a combination of a business coach that I had, meeting Brett, meeting other certified financial planners, seeing how the industry worked, that I decided this is the right direction for me. And then, of course, meeting Brett and Main Street gave me the opportunity to have my own group, my own brand, my own message. And it's been fantastic for me. And it's it's very, it's very good to be able to contact the other advisors or Brett. And if, it, if you've ever had a chance to come to any of our seminars that we've done locally, you'll know that Brett comes in two or three times a year, and he'll actually cover a topic. And, and I think we'll capture one of those for another day on, on uh, Medicare. But it's just a phenomenal resource. It's a great environment. And, you know, people should look to the CFP, maybe not as the categorical validation that an advisor is right for them, but I think it should definitely be on their list as they search for a financial advisor. It's a cue. It's not, it's not a final answer. Yeah, and I would, I would agree with that. One of the things that we talk about at Main Street is we use the analogy of arrows in your quiver so that the solutions that you have to any situation. We don't want there to be only one arrow back there. We want there to be multiple arrows. And at many other firms, they'll simply be, well, these are the three arrows you have, and that's it. I want there to be 10, 12. And then I actually want an advisor to say, hey, we've actually looked into this, and there's two more arrows that we can add back there. And then we talk about that. We talk about it at one of our quarterly calls. We talk about it whenever we all get together once a year in in Newtown. And there's different ways of increasing the arrows and the choices that a certified financial planner and a member of our firm will have to solve that solution. Because in the end, it has to be what's best for the client. And that's one of the things that, you know, Brian and I have been working together for a number of years. And we were sitting there eating pizza one time, and he probably doesn't even remember this, but he said to me, he goes, I need to be able to do what's best for my clients. He didn't say what's best for me. It was best for my clients. And I don't know, Walter, if you remember the, the movie, uh, uh, Jerry Maguire, but, but at the end, it, it's, you know, I said, you had me at hello. You know, it was one of those things. You had me at what's best for my clients. Because in the end, that's what matters. And if you want 
to build a business in a place like uh, you know the you know Lake Oconee area. It's all about integrity. It's all about the long term. And Brian is not here for oh, I'm just going to see what I can do for three months or six months. He's got you know three unbelievable daughters and a wonderful wife, and he's going to be here for a long, long time. And what he's really trying to do is build a business that uh, is done the right way and that will be sustainable for the rest of his life. It's neat to see how the uh, relationship between you guys has certainly blossomed over the years and turned into what it is now. But you, you talk a lot about the clients. So let's take the discussion in that direction a little bit more. I mean, what kinds of people, who is going to be affected the most by your type of relationship, by this conversation that we're having of your style of relationship versus, you know, one of the captive firms that you mentioned where advisors are being motivated by the kinds of trips potentially that they can win by how much of what particular item they're able to sell to clients. That this very dynamic difference between those two pictures, what kinds of people get affected the most in your in your minds? So obviously, Walter, I am in a, in, in a market that is very much made up of retirees, and I have been able to tailor my offering to the 11 critical years from 59 and a half to 70 and a half, where people are transitioning into retirement, they're trying to build income strategies. We've talked about you know getting the right stuff in the right place on previous episodes. And so really smart people who have, you know, they've built their own wealth, they're wanting a self-reliant retirement. They want to make sure they're not going to run out of money, be a burden to their children. But they they also want to maximize what they've accomplished. You know, they've saved, they've worked that muscle, and they've they've built up a a savings, and now they want to come in and, and be able to really enjoy that. I, I will say at other firms, they are looking to keep your money under management for as long as possible. Whether in fact, the less of it you spend, the better. And I actually want my clients to be able to derive the maximum satisfaction for them out of their money. It's, it's not for my long-term benefit. It's for their retirement benefit. So if you want more control, uh, you still want access to all of the resources of a big firm, but you want relationship over name recognition and true independence, that's where we come in. And so people who want credentials and low conflict of interest advice to help them you know, get the maximum out of retirement, that's who should take advantage of, of what we have to offer. Yeah, and I'd like to piggyback on that a, a little bit. You know, it's important. We are working with, uh, you know, Charles Schwab, uh, TD, very large custodians, and they are the place where the money is kept. The money is never kept at Livingworth or at at Main Street. It is with a well-known custodian because that is the most important thing that the money is is in a place where that it can't be touched. In terms of the advisor, the advisor then, Brian in this case, can say, "Well, here's how I would like to, you know, deal with this situation." And I think the biggest thing is the choices out there is having, we've talked about arrows in the quiver, having a lot of informed choices is important, but also looking at things as to what's best for the client. So people, a lot of people will use that term and they'll say, oh yeah, that's what we do for our clients. And then, you know, cause they'll come to me wanting to, to work at our firm and I'll say to them, well, how many loans do you have out for your clients? 
Now, I'm not against, you know, taking a a loan against your assets if you're a small business owner, if it's for a specific thing. But I'm always shocked at how many folks will say to me, well, at my other advisor, I wanted to pay off my house, but they explained to me I shouldn't do that. Well, the reason why they didn't want to do it, maybe, maybe it was because the advisor thought that that was the right thing. But I actually think it probably had to do with if they took cash out of the portfolio, the advisor would get paid less. If that client wants to pay off their mortgage or pay down their mortgage, then they should go ahead and do that. I think you have to make sure that the client is comfortable and sleeps well at night. If the client's looking to buy a vacation house or buy a boat or something like that, rather than say, oh yeah, take a loan out so that I can, as the advisor, get paid on the loan and get paid at the assets that are still at the firm. I'm always shocked by that. It's sort of one of those things like I would tell my clients if there was cash in the account or we could raise cash, I would say to them, hey, it's in a taxable account. It's not a retirement account. Why don't you go ahead and take X amount of dollars out and pay it off directly? And these are little things that most clients have no idea that the advisor is putting them into a, a line of thinking. And the client, it can be you know saying, oh, well, they justified it, et cetera. But when you get down to it, you're like, wow, what were they really, what were they really thinking? And, and I, I'm going to expand on this a, a little bit, and for, forgive me for going on about this, but it's really affected me. My wife, uh, unfortunately, has had some health problems over the last uh, three years, some serious health problems, and she's doing better now, but she'll have to deal with them the rest of her life. And so at a very high level, through multiple surgeries, stage four cancer, et cetera, you know, we were at the mercy of the doctors. And when I say at the mercy of the doctors, the doctors could have probably told us anything and justified it, and they, meaning they could have justified it, and we would have been like, oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. Because, you know, I'm a, you know, my wife and I are reasonably bright people, but we don't understand cancer. We don't understand the things that can affect her in the short term or in the long term. So we were really at the mercy of our doctors to do the right thing. And we, you could do, well, you, I can research this on my own, et cetera. Yes and no. There's a certain, you want to work with somebody who you can trust. And we're very blessed and fortunate that we found a group of doctors, we found a hospital outside of Philadelphia that we really trust them. They have always been upfront and honest about the pros and cons of everything. We've never had any surprises. And that really matters for peace of mind, working with the right people. And so I know that's a medical situation, but I I do think that in a lot of ways, it pertains to our industry as well. Because an advisor could say, oh, you need to buy this product, and here's why you need to buy it. And they can justify it. And it can actually, for the the people who are really good at this, they can sell, the old joke is, ice you know, to Eskimos. And they can do that. But I got to tell you, having somebody like Brian, who actually is just going to be brutally honest, the pros and the cons about something, you know, he would just rather do that. He'd rather be transparent about things because he's looking at it 
as doing the right thing and having the client for the next 20, 30 years, and then possibly working with their children. That's how he views it. He's not viewing it as, oh, I'm only doing this for a couple years and then I'll go do something else. Or, yeah, I just want to make some commissions here because I have three daughters and I just want to put them through school. No, he actually, you know, is, is doing it because if he does the right thing for that client, then 10, 20, 30 years, he'll still be working with that client and they'll be telling other people about that client as well. I think another thing that sets us apart is um, while we do have specialists that we can go to, it actually is coming from a financial planning standpoint from the very beginning. And you say, what the heck does that mean? Well, here's what happens. When you go at many large firms, somebody says, well, I needed some insurance or this. And what they do is, is they say, oh, well, we have an insurance person, so I'll just hand you off to them. Well, remember, they get paid at that large firm, that specialist gets paid to do insurance. That's it. Or maybe an annuity. That's it. So while you would hope that if that specialist realized, oh, they don't need this insurance product or this annuity, you would hope that they would say, you know what? you know what, there's probably other choices. I don't know what they are, but go back to your advisor to square one. You would hope that that's what they would do. They don't have to be fiduciaries. So they can just say, yeah, it's not going to harm them. It's suitable. It's okay. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and, and meet my sales quota. Whereas I think at our firm, we're going to look at it as a holistic side. And I'm going to say, or Brian's going to say, or any of our other advisors are going to say, you know what? We've looked at that. I actually think that this product or this strategy would be appropriate for you, but I'm looking at it on the holistic side. Now we can go ahead and get more specifics from somebody who knows more, but we're going to be totally involved in the process because we're planners. We want to solve your issue or solve your concern and meet your goal, but we want to do it in the way that's best for you. And it may not be, if that specialist were to try and do something, and we have some people at our firm who we have gone to, and if they would ever try and change the conversation or say, oh, well, I'm going to push my agenda, it's the last time that we would ever work with them. So we want to utilize their expertise. We want them to be able to service the client, but we want to make sure that the client's needs are taken care of first. And we don't just send them off to a specialist that says, hey, I am going to do insurance whether they need it or not, or I'm going to do a structured note whether they need it or not, or I'm going to do this or that or the other whether they need it or not. And I think that's one of the most important things about working with the right person and working with a true fiduciary and a certified financial planner that helps them to understand all of those various uh, issues. In my conversations with Brett, one of the things that you see a lot of in this industry is constant mergers and consolidations and people building firms up so that they can sell them to a, a bigger firm and or to a hedge fund that's buying up independent RIAs. There's a lot of that out there. And when I originally talked to Brett, Brett's like, I, he loves what he does. He wants to do this for the rest of his life. And he said, you know, I'll be here if I'm 80 and able, I'll still be doing what I want, 
what I'm doing and what I want to do. And I'm not looking for a way to sell the firm. I'm not looking for some kind of a exit strategy. He's genuinely in it for the right purpose and the right the right mentality for an advisor that truly wants to put their client first. And so that was my you had me at hello moment. When Brett said that, I said that that is exactly how I want to run my business. I'm not here for the buyout, the merger, the acquisition. I just want to have a good, solid, reputable practice. And Walter, that's where our industry's changed a lot. You've had these, you know, large firms out there. And then you had some folks, you know, who broke away over the last 20 years doing their own thing. And really in the last uh, five to 10 years, You've seen, you know, private equity get involved, private equity firms get involved, and other business people get involved saying, oh, we're going to buy up practices, and we're going to this, and we're going to that. And it's interesting, you know, when I talk to various people who have, you know, sold their firm, et cetera, they're like, wow, it's just like I was at the old, you know, brokerage firm again. And it doesn't matter to me because I'm, you know, going to quit, you know, I'm going to retire in a couple of years, but it actually matters because I would like my child or, or nephew or, you know, longtime associate to take over. But I don't know that they really want to work here. And it's interesting. What we're trying to do is keep it that, you know, I'm not trying to make a quarterly number every single quarter. I'm actually not trying to do that. I'm not sitting there saying, oh, well, I want to sell out to some large firm and make a lot of money. I am convinced that a lot of people who run and who are involved with various firms who are consolidating the financial planning um, advisors out there, I think a lot of them, they would be selling auto parts if they felt they could make money. They would be doing something else. It's not a passion of theirs. And the one thing that Brian and I think bonds us more than anything else is that we truly love financial planning and utilizing that knowledge to actually help other people. And yes, we're in business. Yes, we are not a .org. We are trying to make money. But you can do that in the right way without overcharging and without you know selling certain things that you don't think are appropriate. I really think it, it matters that there's a passion about planning and a passion about how to help clients you know, realize their short, mid, and long-term goals. And as long as I feel that passion, I told Brian, I'm going to be doing that for a long, long time. And I think Brian's going to be doing it for a long, long time. This is one of the few industries that as you get older, it isn't as though like, well, I'm 65, I'm just going to retire and that's it. If this is your passion, you want to keep doing it. Now, you may step back a little bit. You may not work with as many clients and you may have another person at the firm sort of take over some of the other other uh, clients at the firm. But I got to tell you, this is where it's fun in that quest of knowledge and being able to help people. I don't think it's ever going to leave me. And Brian, I think, I'm right in saying this. I don't think it's ever going to leave you. No, and, and this is the one industry where, well, as I bald and as I gray, that, that is actually a mark of increased capability and experience. And and so you bring, you're literally bringing not only all the knowledge, but then all the contextual experience of working with clients over the years to a new case. And that's that's not something you learn in the books. That's not something that you can easily passed down to someone else. That, that's something that's learned and developed and cultivated. And uh, yeah, I see no reason to, uh, 
I have no urge to just give that up. This is something I could take at the pace that I want and like and, and suits me, but I'm not in this for the finish line. I'm not looking for that exit date, and I'm just suffering through this. I love it. Every time I meet with a new client and re-engage with somebody, it's just as energizing as, as ever. So looking forward to a long term of doing this. Well, this will be something that we continue to talk about in a uh, future episode of the podcast. In fact, coming up in uh, oh, the next, in two episodes or so, we're going to talk a little bit more about that word fiduciary, what it really means, and really focus in on that. That's going to be a great podcast that we've got on tap for a future show. So be sure to uh, come back and check in on us every couple of weeks for the new programs that we're putting out. And if anything we've talked about on today's show is helpful to you, getting a peek behind the curtain at how this relationship uh, between Main Street Financial Solutions and Living Worth Wealth Advisors works. If you've been wanting to work with an advisor like Brian Doe, who kind of embodies some of the things that we've talked about on today's show and really kind of incorporates these important principles into the practice each and every day, uh, there's a couple of different ways that you can learn a little bit more about the firm and about Brian. You can check out the book Diffuse, all about on how to save money on taxes and uh, potentially even you know avoid the ticking tax time bomb that's out there. Learn about that and get your free retirement shield kit all at retirementrescue.net. That's it, retirementrescue.net, your place to go if you want to get a free retirement shield kit, learn lots of great information about making sure that your retirement is not at risk, how to protect yourself against some of the uncertainties of the market, and of course, that big question mark about taxes in the future. Go to retirementrescue.net, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes of today's episode, of course. And you can also listen to the show any point in time on the web, makethedoughrise.com is the website where you can listen to past episodes, find subscribe links to your favorite apps, all of it on makethedoughrise.com. You can also schedule a time to meet with Brian directly from the website there on makethedoughrise.com. And again, links to all of that in the description and the show notes of today's episode. Well, Brian and Brett, great having you both on for this episode. I know Brett's going to be coming back to join us for the next two episodes of the podcast as well. So looking forward to those conversations and hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Walter. Thank you. Thank you, Walter. We appreciate it. For Brian Doe and Brett Denko, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Make the Doe Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.